Welcome to the Let's Talk Energy podcast from EnergyNet. This series was recorded at the Africa Energy Forum 2023 in Nairobi, Kenya. Join us for this and other episodes as we talk to the industry players, stakeholders, and rising stars of Africa's energy sector. Good morning. Hello from Nairobi. Um, we're here at the Africa Energy Forum 2023. Um, my name is Mark Howard. I'm the deputy editor of African Energy Newsletter, covering the energy and power sector across Africa. And I have here my guest from the uh, International Finance Corporation. Um, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, Mark. So, pleasure to be with you this morning. I am Marcel Bruville. I'm the manager for IFC's infrastructure investment practice in southern and eastern Africa, based here in Nairobi. Fantastic. Thank you very much. And the IFC is, of course, a well-known institution to many, but the exact scope and remit um, may not be familiar to all of the listeners. So perhaps you could speak to a little bit of the IFC's work um, in Africa and your role on a sort of day-to-day -day basis. So it's a power conference, so let me speak about sure. the power aspects <laughs> related to it. So first and foremost, we are um, the private sector development arm of the World Bank Group. So that means all we do uh, has to have a commercial angle. Our goal is to attract more private sector investments to the continent to bring the ingenuity and the entrepreneurship uh, uh, into uh, uh, the power sector, into utilities, into essentially the infrastructure sector. And there's two overriding themes, right? One, of course, is the theme of energy transition and the promotion of renewables. And the other one is how we can bridge the energy access gap on the continent. So on the renewables, um, to give you an example, and it's quite exciting, we have recently closed a very, very large projects in Egypt, um, a gigawatt of renewable power called, projects are called Abydos and Amunet, uh, wind and solar, with a sponsor, Amia Power, amazingly low tariffs of two to three cents per kilowatt hour. Through the projects, a uh, coal-fired project, which was also in the planning, was cancelled, uh, and as such not uh, considered necessary any longer. So big, big su success. I think it was the lowest tariffs achieved in Africa so far and amongst the lowest on the continent. Talking about the access gap, so I think what gives me a lot of hope is all the efforts which are currently going in, the theme called distributed generation. So it, it comprises mm, the technologies solar home systems provide, so-called commercial industrial solar, essentially rooftop installations, but also larger installations for commercial clients. And thirdly, um, what is called or dubbed mini-grids. Although the term is a bit misleading because nowadays we're not talking about electrifying, uh, you know, 50 uh, houses any longer. These mini-grids are more rural utilities with 5,000, sometimes 10, 20,000 clients, where a private sector investor comes in, puts up a generation mostly uh, as a combination of uh, PV, sometimes wind and batteries, and pulls the wires and meters. You know, so it's really small utilities. And I'm going to speak a bit more about those later on and what needs to be done to get them commercial. Thank you very much. A really interesting overview. So, as you've addressed, you know, the IFC 
is looking to leverage the best um, uh, opportunities and encourage private sector involvement. Would you sort of, sort of trail, uh, trailblazing a path in a lot in a lot of ways um, and showing um, investable opportunities, especially in the renewable space? Yeah, very interesting. Thank you. And um, you touched, um, as you mentioned there, on mini grids. And we know that the IFC is um, actively backing sort of scaling up mini grids, as you say. And they're not so mini anymore, as you say. It possibly should be a, a better term for them, you know, as integrated distributed utilities. A lot of people term them different things. Yes, perhaps you could speak a lot about this very exciting space that the, uh, the IMF is involved in. Yeah, so I think the sector is about to reach a tipping point. There was a recent study done by ESMAP, or sponsored by ESMAP and the World Bank, which projects that a cost-reflective tariff of mini-grid operations of 20 cents a kilowatt hour is within reach, within, let's say, five, seven years, by 2030, I think they say. Now, that's amazing, okay? Cost-reflective means no, not subsidized. If you can provide sustainable green and stable power in rural areas of Africa for 20 cents, uh, you have a winner, right? Right now, most of these um, rural areas are actually powered by diesel. Uh, I have great connection. Uh, just to truck out the diesel to these areas costs a lot of money. It, it, it's cumbersome, it stinks, it makes noise. It's just not, 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 not good, okay? And the emissions are very bad <laughs> and, for you, yeah, of course, not to of say course, the least. Of yeah. course. Yeah. So you can give people this kind of power uh, for 20 cents, it will also create a lot of commercial activity. Lots of people say, oh, you know, we don't have demand, so how can we, uh, you know, make money? Well, it, 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 you have to create the demand, right? I mean, there will be no commercial activity if you don't have sustainable, stable power supply. As soon as you have it, there will be hammer mills, there will be grain dryers, there will be all kinds of commercial applications which previously were not uh, possible. So I'm, I'm very, very optimistic with regards to that. It's also technology driven. There needs to be scale. Right now the approach is still too fragmented. The stone is here, the stone is there, it's uncoordinated. You need to set up a regulatory environment which makes sense. Commercial questions like, you know, how do you protect the private investor when the grid comes? You know, so and, and there are methods and uh, and and and, uh, and presence of how to deal with that. So our scaling mini grid program is a bit of a one-stop shop. So we advise governments on the regulatory environment. We help governments run tenders. We believe in tenders, okay? So uh, and we believe in scale. So we want to get the large commercial players interested in this market as a main tool, really, to bridge the excess gap in Africa. And as you say, open tenders, competitive tenders are so important in driving down the cost, not just for the, um, the government, but eventually for the tariff that you know, um, the, the retail customers will pay for their power, which is so important. And you, you touched on how competitive solar mini grid tariffs are coming, are becoming, sorry. And um, that hasn't always historically been the case, has it? Diesel has still been cost competitive, and that's why a lot of people defaulted to it almost. But now this is such an exciting innovation, and you're sort of um, you're um, you're outcompeting diesel by something like four or five cents per kilowatt hour. Or more, is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, more. Absolutely, yeah. yes. But that's very conservative. Yeah. But but you know, um, at the very least, and that's such an exciting innovation. Um, and in terms of um, the sort of um, scaling mini grids. Um, sort of uh, governments, countries you're cooperating with. Um, can you speak a bit to sort of um, where the um, uptake has been sort of, uh, or people have been most interested at the moment? 
So we have a very large program in the Democratic Republic of Congo, so where we're working with government <coughs> to bring essentially 180 megawatts to 1.5 million uh, people who currently are not benefiting from stable supply. So it's one of the first programs. We also have a program coming up in Madagascar in close support with the World Bank, which has made available a large subsidy amount. You still need today to make um, uh, uh, mini power affordable about, I'd say, 50% uh, uh, capex buy-down through subsidies necessary to scale up. So uh, there are uh, other programs under consideration mm, uh, in West Africa as well, but I cannot be too specific about the countries at this point. Thank you. And, and, and Madagascar is an excellent example, as you've just mentioned, of a, a country that's particularly in rural areas historically relied on um, diesel generation. But it's often assumed that maybe diesel or other um, thermal forms of generation have high availability factors. But that's not, of course, always the case. And, you know, we know that in Madagascar, many of the older mini grids, even ones that were partially hybridized with solar, have struggled because the tariffs are not cost reflective and inevitably there's costs for maintenance over years. And this is um, a criticism that many people have made in the past um, of mini-grids, is that they've been rolled out in a somewhat haphazard fashion. And yes, the capital investment was there, but perhaps that was subsidized. And in the long term, it's difficult to keep them going as a commercial um, entity. So clearly your program addresses this. Perhaps you could speak a bit more to that and the longevity you're, you're envisaging. Yeah, yeah. I mean, between us, there's also another aspect here. If you look at um, corruption, the fuel value chain all over the continent, in many other parts of the world, is inherently a source of corruption. So at the end of the day, it's the people who pay, right? So if we can replace thermal fuels by PV and battery, we also provide more transparency, accountability into systems. But it's also an issue because you have vested interests, right? Fuel value chains, many people live of it. Now, if you want to change it, it doesn't happen from today till tomorrow, right? So, but I think it's a, um, a noble mission to, 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 to do this. Let me mention another aspect of technology. It's not directly related to mini-grids, but there is also a program um, driven by um, a, a Norwegian company called Skatec, it's called Release. So Release is a, a containerized, mobile, and um, uh, uh, quickly deployable solar and battery system. It's been set up very quickly, and the advantage that it's, you can actually demobilize quickly means that you don't have to go through the whole uh, exercise of project financing these assets. You have a very simple lease agreement with government and, and you don't need to go to the security registration and all these lengthy and expensive processes required still for doing classic onshore uh, IPPs. So we are supporting this pro program. It's rolling out in Cameroon and in the Sahel in its first instance, and we hope to scale it across Africa, also contributing to bridging the, 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 the access gap on the continent. Absolutely, a fantastic capability for the benefits of the, the viewers and listeners. They're sort of 
almost like shipping containers, like ISO, standard ISO containers, and they're sort of plug and play, but also modular. You can have several of these containers Correct. in one location, so they're very um, adaptable to, to changing conditions, as you say, and of course, renewable, so there's great benefit there. So we've been talking perhaps at the, um, the more uh, smaller scale, in terms of raw capacity at least, not to minimize the impact that mini grids have, which is tremendous, but obviously the IFC is also supporting some very large renewable projects um, in Africa, and particularly within your remit. There's been substantial announcements in terms of hydropower recently in Mozambique, and perhaps you could speak a little bit to that project, which yeah, is a fantastic Yeah, thanks for project. mentioning this, Mark. So, so we've done a lot on hydro in the last couple of years. We've closed and Nachtigall uh, in Cameroon together with uh, ODF. We're working on the development of Mpatamanga uh, um, hydro in Malawi, 350 megawatt again with ODF and Skatec, a transformational project for the country. And now the next big one, uh, I would hope, is Mpandankua in Mozambique, 1,500 megawatt. Uh, government recently announced a winning bidder, a consortium comprising, again, ODF, uh, with Total Energy, Sumitomo and Kansai. <coughs> so, I'm super excited about this project because I think it's the opportunity of really addressing the energy transition, but also energy crisis question we have in Southern Africa. I mean, South Africa alone needs to decommission and replace, what, 20-ish gigawatts of coal-fired power in the next, I don't know, 10, 15 years. Uh, none of the countries uh, in the, the SAPP region currently has any surplus other than Mozambique a little bit, okay? All right, we have Cajorabasa, who has been exporting, but if, you, if I exclude Cajorabasa, there's less than 100 gigawatt hours which uh, Mozambique currently has. Building Mpandankua in, in connection with the gas resources Mozambique has is a fantastic opportunity to play a key role in the energy transition uh, of Southern Africa. It's a super complex project. We're talking about four and a half billion dollars for Mozambique, a big amount, but two and a half for the dam, uh, about two for the transmission line. All the donors will need to chip in. Uh, all the TFIs will be required. We hope to put up commercial uh, tranches as well. And, 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 and it's a super exciting project. It also, you know, it's the dynamic of I'm sure you know Cajorabasa, right? So this dam, which has been operating for many decades, the power purchase agreement with ESCOM expires in 2029. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So now there, a combined solution can be found. Bandakua will come into operation around 2030, you know? Yeah. So, so there's going to be a package of both projects being able to export to Southern Africa, but also helping uh, uh, address growing demand in, in, in Mozambique. Absolutely, as you say, a fantastic project because it's going to provide stable, renewable grid power to Mozambique, which is great and necessary. But as you mentioned, there's other countries in Southern Africa, perhaps even Eastern Africa, if there are further interconnections, that will benefit from this tremendous amount of hydropower capacity that's going to come online. Um, yeah, a wonderful project and um, yeah, great success for everyone involved to get it to this stage because uh, it's not easy developing projects of this scale, as I'm sure you can attest to. Mm. <laughs> so I believe we're, um, that's it for our time today, Marcel. I'd like to thank you very much for your time and your really rich insights. It's fantastic to see the work the IFC is doing in the renewable space in Africa. Um, I wish you the, uh, all the best with the uh, rest of the projects that you're working on at the moment and we'll hopefully hear some more big deals closing very soon. Thank, thank you, so you much for yourself. having me, Mark. Thank, thank you. you. This series was recorded at the Africa Energy Forum 2023 in Nairobi, Kenya. 
Join us for this and other episodes as we talk to the industry players, stakeholders and rising stars of Africa's energy sector.